Let's get started and let me just open us up in prayer. Lord, 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 I just thank you for this opportunity to teach your magnificent word, to teach the power of Jesus Christ for salvation and for life. I thank you that our salvation is all about grace and faith, that it's magnificent, that it's complex and yet simple. Lord, I thank you for our salvation. Thank you for Ephesians that I just think has all the rich truth that anyone would need to live their life in Christ. And um, thank you for this privilege and this gift that you've given me. Lord, I, I, I humbly thank you for it. I didn't ask for it. You gave it to me. And I know it's a gift. And I want to acknowledge that. And Father, I just ask that you would fill me with your spirit and anoint me. That you would just speak through me today. Um, this last lesson is so very, very, very important. And I just ask that you would give me recall or give me brand new words to speak, Lord, that I hadn't even thought of. Um, I just commit myself to you and each one of us for your purpose and for your glory in Jesus name. Amen. I'm excited about today. It's our last lesson, but that's not why I'm excited. (laughs) Um, although it will be fun to have lots more free days, (laughs) but, um, Boy, I don't want to get away from the word. It's been a long time since I've taught the word of God. I was just talking to my new friend, Carol. I'm so glad I met her. She's my friend from Dallas that is now my new friend. And a mutual friend introduced us um, or told us about each other. And now we've gotten to meet each other. So we hope to hook back, hook up. But she and I were talking about Bible study. And she said, do you do this in Dallas? And I said, well, no, because I get there in November. And Bible studies start in September. And, um, then I could start in January, but then I leave in mid-May and sometimes I could catch the end of it, but it's always been frustrating. But so I don't know how I could teach, but I'm going to pray for that. Y'all could pray for me. I want to teach again. And I just, I have loved this. Thank y'all for letting me do this. What a privilege. (laughs) It makes me want to cry. What a privilege. Well, I'm already praying and just saying, Lord, I I don't want to get away from this again. I haven't done this for years. I've spoken for years, but teaching is a different thing. And so I just, uh, I'm asking the Lord already, okay, what book do I move on to and to be all prepared for it? So anyway, we'll see what the Lord does. But, um, so here's my dilemma today. Here was my dilemma. It's not my dilemma now. I've written out these lessons. I've studied, I've gone through concordances on this one. I listened to sermons. I looked through concordances. I looked up my definitions. I prayed. I, I, I did it all. (laughs) And normally my lessons, when I teach y'all from my computer, it's about 30 or so pages in in the way that I write it. And it's big letters so I can see. (laughs) So it's not 30 pages of, you know, font 10 or 11. It's, you know, 64 probably. (laughs) No, really it's smaller than that, but it's pretty big and highlighted and all that. So when I got done with it and just, I just kept, I couldn't stop adding to it. I just thought they've got to know this. And oh my gosh, if they know that, then they've got to know this. And it turned out to be, I think 64 pages, which would keep us here till tomorrow night. So, um, here's what I'm doing today. I am teaching from the word. It's here in my heart. And so I, I do have my notes. If I need to go back to him, I may step back to my computer. Um, but I am going to pour out what God has put in just more as a speaker today, speaker, teacher, not just teacher. That's going, I will go line by line, but 
So y'all could just, you know, pray for me silently that um, I want the spirit to speak to us today. Because if we end this lesson and do not know how to use the armor, then so what? I'm serious. So what? So it's not just teaching you what's the armor. I could do that all day long. I could give us a really long lesson. But if you do not know how to use it, and let me just tell you something. If you are not willing to use it, if you have not got in your head, I want to start living differently, then I didn't fail, but I, I didn't, I came short. Let's just say that. I really have been praying, and that's honestly why I was late. I just was caught up in prayer and study. I did get up early. But I want you to be changed when you walk out those doors at 11. I want it to be completely different than when you and I walked in. This has made me different. And so I want it to make you different. So I'm just going to speak from my heart. And then my goal is that we have time to actually talk about it. You have time to tell me maybe how you use your armor, um, how you want to use it or to ask questions. So that's the goal. I'm going to do something a little odd. Um, I'm going to go through um, verses 1 through 10. That's not odd. And I'm going to do it pretty quickly because I want to focus on the armor. And then I'm going to go and go to the concluding words in verses 19 through 24. Then we're going to focus on the armor so that we end with it. So I'm just going to quickly go through these verses. I'm going to read uh, chapter 6, verses 1 through 4 to start with. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor your father and mother, which is the first commandment with a promise, that it may be well with you and that you may live long on the earth. And fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So first of all, in verse 1, children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. This is a great commandment. And verse 2 says it came with a promise. In the Old Testament, when this was given as a commandment, um, it came with a promise. You're going to live long on the earth. I really looked this up and thought, does that still have a promise? I mean, if we obey our parents or obeyed our parents, are we going to live long? And from what I can figure out, no, it's not a promise today that we're going to live long. It's a promise. Uh, it did come with a promise. So what Paul is saying is this is a really important um, Scripture and verse and command because it did come with a promise for long life. Today, what does it mean for us if children obey their parents? It means that generally speaking, a, an obedient child should have a long life. They're going to make good choices and a disobedient child might make wrong choices and therefore perhaps especially in today's culture not live long based on drugs or alcohol or guns or violence or something. But it's a general commandment. Our days have been numbered. So we can't lengthen them by doing certain things in the olden day. Um, I love verse 4. And fathers, don't provoke your children to anger. That's wrath and resentment. Um, I, we've probably maybe experienced a father that provokes their children. Maybe we experienced that provocation. Um, or maybe you are aware of that. But it's not God's plan. God's plan for a father is to bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. Bring up is that same word nourish that we saw in chapter 5. When it's talking about wives and Christ and the church and the body of Christ and husbands. And it says 
uh, that's nourish. Bring up is nourish. Jesus nourishes his church. And that's the picture of a, of a mother with her infant. Talk about nourishing. And so a father is supposed to nourish his child. And train means to educate in morals, correcting mistakes, curbing passions. The antonym, the opposite of train, I love this. I think it spoke volumes. It, it was almost as enlightening as the definition of train. The antonym is chaos, confusion, negligence, permissive. If parents are permissive, their children will be raised in chaos. And we just see that so much today. Children have not been trained. They grow up in permissive environments. And we, the result is chaos. We don't want that for our children. God forbid. The picture is parents that are disciples of Christ. And they're being trained in righteousness by staying in this word. And then they train children who become disciples, who train their children to be disciples. Do you get that picture? It's this pervasive um, attitude of peace in the heart and the soul because you're doing what God has asked you to do. And peace reigns. Yes, ma'am. I know it. Not to mothers. And, and just an interesting... And it's not a side note. It's a main point in our culture today. The missing fathers. Is it any wonder? Is it any wonder the violence that we see in, in certain places? Chicago. and I mean, it's everywhere. But these major cities where the fathers are lacking, it, it's devastating to the culture. It's devastating. God forgive us. Verses 5 through uh, 9, let me read that. Slaves, be obedient to those who are your masters according to the flesh and fear with fear and trembling in the sincerity of your heart as to Christ. Ladies, he's saying that let, let, in, this, in the Old Testament, the slaves, and I mean in the New Testament, during this time in the olden days is what I'm trying to say. Slaves were the property of the owners. They could be abused. They could be killed. They were just property. So today we don't really have this, but there is the idea of those who are under those who are in authority, a slave, or those who are in authority, a master. So we're going to look at it from that aspect because there's no slaves and masters any longer. But the important point in verse 5 is the sincerity of your heart. We do this from our heart. Um, it says, don't do it in verse 6 by way of eye service as men pleasers. But as slaves of Christ doing the will of God from the heart. The sister verse to that is found in Colossians 3, 22 through 24. Slaves in all things obey those who are your masters on earth. Not with external service as those who merely please men. But with sincerity of heart, fearing the Lord. We obey those in authority because we fear the Lord. Whatever you do, do your work heartily from your heart as for the Lord rather than for men. Knowing from the Lord you're going to receive your reward. It's the Lord Christ whom you serve. So that's the point of these verses is you're serving the Lord. Do your work from your heart as if you're serving Christ himself. Verse 7 says, do your work with goodwill. Uh, render service as to the Lord and not to men. We don't want to be men pleasers. We want to be Christ pleasers in everything. 
Verse 8 says, knowing that whatever good thing each one does, this he will receive back from the Lord, whether slave or free. This refers to the judgment seat of Christ where we receive rewards for doing what he's called us to do. The Bema seat. In verse 9, it says, masters, do the same thing to your slaves and give up threatening, knowing that both their master and yours is in heaven. And there's no partiality with him. We have a master. Each slaves have a master. Masters have a master. And that master is Jesus Christ. We all serve him. And so that should be our goal is to treat everyone with respect um, as to the Lord. I'm going to skip to verse 19 and 24 to get our closing remarks out of the way so we can now focus on the um, armor. Verse 19 says, pray on my behalf that utterance may be given to me in the opening of my mouth to make known with boldness the mystery of the gospel. Paul referred to that in chapter 1, the mystery of the gospel. Remember what we talked about, that uh, the gospel that was sent to the Jew and the Gentiles was a mystery. And Jesus Christ himself revealed it to Paul that the Gentiles were going to be saved and that there'd be one new man, both Jew and Gentile, into one new man that the Spirit filled and called the body of Christ. And so Paul is praying that utterance would be given to him. Do you know pastors? What about Pastor Zach or um, um, Tom Dages or um, our sweet little Brandon? Uh, we could pray this prayer. Remember in June and July, we talked about prayer, praying the word of God has power because the word is powerful. What a great prayer to pray for those who teach and preach that utterance would be given to them from the Holy Spirit. It's a great prayer. Paul says in verse 20, he is an ambassador in chains and he's praying that he would speak boldly as he ought to speak. In verse 21, he's just simply informing them um, that you would know about my circumstances and how I'm doing. How sweet. He's saying, I know you're worried about me and I want you to know how I'm doing. And Tychicus, the beloved brother and faithful minister in the Lord, he'll, he'll tell you everything. Isn't that great? It's a catch up. Tychicus is going to catch you up on me, guys. So don't, don't worry about me. I'm fine. I'm fine in these chains. Don't worry about me. I'm, I'm almost dead, but you know what? Don't worry about me. <laughs> I've sent him to you for this very purpose so that you may know about us and that he may comfort your hearts. We all have that desire to know about each other. There were no cell phones or emails back then. I love verse 23. Peace to the brothers in love with faith from God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. In verse 24, grace be with all those who love our Lord Jesus Christ with an incorruptible, with a love incorruptible. In Ephesians chapter 1, <clears throat> verse 2, it started with grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. He started saying, listen, I want you to have grace and peace. And he's ending now with saying, hey, I want you to have grace and peace. What is that? Grace is that unmerited favor. You don't deserve it. You didn't earn it. He's giving it to you. What does grace include? What is he giving you? He gave you salvation. He gave you the spirit. He gives you power. He gives you love. He gives you that peace that passes all understanding. So you know you have peace with God through your salvation. You don't have to live in fear anymore. You can also have peace with others. Guess what? You can also have peace in any circumstances. Paul had peace in prison. 
And how did he have that peace? Because of the grace of God through Jesus Christ. And guess what? We have access to that too. That should give us great hope and great joy that we can have peace through the grace of God in any circumstances. I'm getting older. It looks like y'all are too. I don't think I'm alone here. (laughs) We can have peace as we get sick. We can have peace when our husbands get sick. We can have peace when a member of our family is sick, dying, or dead. That should give us great hope. We can have peace if our finances change. I don't know about yours. Ours did in 2008. What we had hoped for in our retirement isn't there. You know what? I don't care anymore. I spent a lot of years crying about that. I don't care. I have grace and peace. I have everything I need. And I sure isn't money. It's Jesus. We have, hi, Catherine. We have grace and peace in any situation. This should give you great hope. Grace and peace started us and grace and peace ends us. It should always be our beginning and our end, right? Okay, now let's go to verse 10. This is the best part. Verse 10, finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his mind. The word finally means, if you've heard everything else I've said, but you miss this, you're missing it all. That's what finally means. It's not just like, hey, we're coming to the end here. Good for you. Now you get to go home, so to speak, or I'm almost done with the letter. That's not what he's saying. He says, finally, and that means, hey, this is the most important part. If you, if you heard everything else in chapters 1 through 5, but you missed this, you've missed everything. This is important. Be strong in yourself and in the strength of your might. Eh, wrong answer. Be strong in what? In the Lord. Be and in the strength of his might. Not you. You don't have anything. Can I just help you with this? If you doubt yourself, like I have most of my life, you are in good company. You don't have anything. Why are you arguing with yourself? Get over yourself and understand if you want strength and you want peace, it won't be found in yourself. It is found in Jesus. He has everything you need, everything you want, everything you are not. He is. In the strength of his might, that's Ephesians 1.19. We talked about that. That's that great prayer. And, and Paul is saying in Ephesians 1.19, I'll just tell you, I pray that you'd know what the hope of your calling is and what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saint and what is the surpassing greatness of his power towards us who believe. Do you know what that strength is? It's the same strength, the same power of his might that he used to raise Jesus from the dead. That strength is in you. Be strong in that strength. The strength that raised Jesus from the dead, that is in you. That is in me. Oh, my goodness gracious. Verse 11, put on the full armor of God that you may be able to stand firm, stand firm 
against the schemes of the devil. Put on the full armor. Well, that's the full armor. It's everything. The helmet, the belt, the breastplate, the shoes, the sword, the shield. It's everything. It's all encompassing. It's not just one thing. It's everything. And whose armor is it? What does it say in verse 11? It's God's armor. He doesn't tell you to put on your armor. You don't have any armor. And let me just say right now, how many times have you said, or maybe you've heard someone else say, you know what? He cheated on me. And you know what? I will never go there again. I will never trust another soul. You know what that is? That's a pathetic, puny, powerless armor. Think about it. How many times do we make these bold proclamations? Well, I'll never do that again. I'll never trust anybody again. Oh, I couldn't handle that. You're putting on some armor that you think will protect you because you know what? You've believed a lie. And are you protected? Oh, no. Those people don't go around with peace and grace and joy. They go around defeated and angry and helpless and hopeless because your armor, my friend, is nothing. Do not let the enemy lie to you. And why do we put on the full armor of God? That we may be able to stand firm. Do you know what that word stand firm means? Immovable. You can't be, the enemy wants to push you around and push you off. And push you down so he can just walk all over you. Stand firm means I am not moving from this place. I'm not moving. Do you know what the word, the synonym for standing is? Abide. That's my life verse, John 15, 5. If you abide in me, you're going to bear much fruit. Apart from me, what can you do? Nothing. If you don't stand or abide, what can you do? Nothing. And if you do stand... What can you do? Everything. The enemy, the word abide means live, dwell, remain, and stay. It's the picture of God has planted me here in himself with his strength, his power, his armor, my faith, his grace, his peace. And you know what? I am not moving. You're not going to shove me away from Christ. What if Jesus was standing right here? Well, I wouldn't fear anything, would you? And that's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to get you separate from Christ where you can do what? Nothing. That's his whole goal. And if you can do nothing, then you have no fruit. And you cannot please God. It, John 15 tells us you were created so that you would bear fruit, not just fruit, much fruit. And you were chosen so you would be his disciple. He wants you right here at all times. And the enemy wants, if he can't keep you not saved, he wants to keep you not abiding. Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Mm. Mm. Yes. 
Amen. Amen. That's exactly it. Do y'all see what we're saying here? Be aware of what the enemy wants to do. He wants to remove you from that place of, I'm just going to say prosperity and peace and fruit. And I do not mean material prosperity. That is nothing. That is a perverted, I'm just going to stand on a little soapbox for a second. That's a perverted lie of the enemy to keep you away from the real prosperity, which is Jesus. Let you set your sights on getting some material thing in this world. And what did we say that world meant? It's transient and it's worthless and it's passing away. And if you have believed that lie that you're supposed to have some sort of material prosperity, woe be unto you. You have been lied to and you've bought the lie and the enemies moved you away from standing. And it will not profit you. It says, stand firm against what? The schemes of the devil. The word schemes means a method or a systematic plan. My friend, the enemy has systematic plans against you. I've watched documentaries about World War II and Hitler and a lot of the reenactments will have a room with all the generals or whoever they are. And they've got plans. They've got maps. They've got papers. They've got, you know, it, it shows some of them where, you know, this is where we're going to go. This is what we're going to do. And you're going to lead this and you're going to lead that so they can win. The enemy has schemes and plans and purposes against you and against me. Verse 12, our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against rulers, against powers, against the world forces of this darkness, against the spiritual forces of wickedness in the heavenly places. The word struggle refers to hand-to-hand combat. If I go up to Trisha and I'm going to, can you just put your... You know, we're having this hand-to-hand combat. I am one-on-one. I'm not just hitting, throwing a bomb out to all of you. I am targeting Trisha. I'm looking at her eyeballs. We're hand-to-hand. This is personal. And I, if I'm a a smart enemy, I'm going to know exactly what her weaknesses are. And I'm going to attack those weaknesses. Perhaps I know her left hand is weaker than her right hand. So I'm going to try to disarm her right hand. Do you see what I'm saying? And Bobby's weakness is different than mine and so forth. The enemy knows you. He has watched you. He knows exactly what your weaknesses are. Anybody here ever been tempted to be a prostitute? Don't raise your hand. I don't want to know. (laughs) See how funny that is? Why has the enemy never tempted you with that? Because that's not your deal. Has he ever tempted you to rob a bank? I mean, do you really struggle at night? No, 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 I don't know. Not again. I don't want to rob that bank. I swear I don't. No, no, God help me. You don't, does anybody here struggle with those things? I don't. I've never been tempted to do that. I do know people who have been tempted with that. I know a prostitute. I know a robber, a thief. It's a huge struggle for him. What do you struggle with? Tell you what my struggles are. Insecurity. Fear. Doubt. What if something happens to my family? What if my house burns down? Enemy knows where my struggles would be. 
He knows exactly what they are. It's a scheme. It's a plan. It's very well thought out. And it's for you personally. Our struggle isn't against flesh and blood. For years, I think I've already told you this, but for years, and I'm talking years, 10, 12 years, um, every single time, I'm not exaggerating, every single time before I would speak at a retreat, my daughter would either call or come by and see me personally. And every single solitary time, we had an issue. Every time. And I would go to that retreat, I would get on that plane, just trying to keep the tears back because I just couldn't take this pain that my daughter and I always had. Why does this happen? What's wrong with me? That's, that's, you know where I went with that? I didn't go with what's wrong with her. I went with, cause the enemy knows me personally. I think there's lots wrong with me and there is actually, but I would focus on myself. I'll never get this right. I'll never be a good parent. I'll never have peace with her. Now, I crawled literally just like if you were in a pit and you had to crawl with your bare hands to get out of that pit and you, you wouldn't have any nails left. It would just be that, tent, that idea of all those nerves exposed because your fingernails were gone and you finally got out. That's kind of the picture of me going to the retreat. I got out of the pit, but it was just clawing my way out and I was in pain and every nerve ending was on fire, so to speak. Does that make sense? Guess what I finally realized? My, my struggle was not against my daughter, flesh and blood. It was against powers and rulers and world forces, the spiritual forces of wickedness. And that's what your struggle's against. Do you have some of the same struggles all the time? I bet you do. You doubt yourself. You're insecure. You take things personally. Somebody can just sort of give you a look like that, like I'm looking at Sally right now, and she thinks, oh my gosh, Debbie's mad at me. Oh my gosh, what have I done? Because that's her deal. She's just real sensitive, and she takes everything personally. I'm making all this up. But she might <laughs> but she might walk around for weeks or months. I have done that. You have too, because that's your deal, and the enemy knows that. I was at church one day in Dallas. This was years and years ago. And this woman walked up to me and she said, she was kind of snooty. And she said, well, I don't know what I've done to hurt your feelings, but I'm sorry. And I said, oh my gosh, I, you haven't done anything to offend me. You, you have nothing to be sorry about. Why would you say that? And she said, well, months ago, last year sometime probably, you walked right by me. I said, hello, Debbie. And you just walked right by me. So I don't know what I did, but you know what? I'm sorry, I guess. And I went, I didn't even see you. I have no recollection of that. And just Sunday, someone came up to me and they were literally, I'm not joking. They were right here in front of me. And I was looking like this and I'm sure my eyes may have glanced on her, but I had no idea who she was. I wasn't keying in to say, oh, hello, Lisa. It, she, I was looking beyond her. The, I don't know. I just get lost in space. Probably that's what I did. But see what the enemy did to that woman for a year? What do you struggle with? We have, we have sin, anger, or something like that. And that we need to confess and get past. But you have strongholds. I have strongholds. And the enemy causes you to think the same thoughts and then take the same action almost every single time. 
One of my strongholds was the belief, I am all alone. Everything's up to me. And then what do I want to do? I want to pout and feel sorry for myself. And then I go further and think, yeah, and so-and-so doesn't love me. And -and so-and-so doesn't love me. And they haven't invited me here. And they haven't invited me there. And they haven't done this. And you know what happens? I don't get more social. I don't think, you know what? I'm feeling lonely. I'm going to get with the group here. You know what I do? I retreat. I isolate. And what happens is I feel more sorry for myself. And then I feel more depressed. Do you get that picture? I've done that since I was five. Because I was alone. That was true. That wasn't a lie. That was true. My parents were both alcoholics. I was an only child. They were so absorbed in their addiction or in their fighting or in their making up that Debbie was just this little person all by herself. I rarely got talked to. Maybe that's why I talk so much. (laughs) I haven't gotten to talk for all these years. (laughs) Do you see what I'm saying? The enemy has schemes against you. What What have you believed? The lie is really not powerful. It's the power you give it by believing it. I'm not alone. I am not alone. The enemy used that lie with me, um, In May of 2017, my husband got news. We went to the doctor that he was going to have his fourth surgery in nine months. It was for his aneurysms. He only has six. Mind you, now he has five. But they said they had to operate on one. And I went into that place. Now, I don't know why that would cause that, but that was my response. Is you're all alone. You've been taking care of him all alone for nine months. You haven't seen anybody for nine months except him. And he may die, and then you'll really be alone. And no one's going to care about you. No one's going to help you. Same, and it just dawned on me. I was crying. I bought into the lie, as I always do, for about 24 to 36 hours. And then all of a sudden, it's like I woke up and went, wait a minute. I've been hearing this for 60 years. Not six, not 16, six, zero. Because I'm 66 now. I was 65 back then. 60 years I've been hearing since I was about five. You're all alone and no one cares about you. And I said, you know what? I'm done. I am done with the lie. I'm not believing the lie. I will not camp out here and abide in and live in and dwell in this lie any longer. I'm done with that because I'm not alone. I have God. I have Jesus. I have the spirit and I have power. And I'll never be alone because he said he'll never leave me or forsake me. Do you get that? Therefore, and let me say one more thing about the rulers and the powers and and the world forces and the darkness. Where is Jesus? We found that in chapter 1. He is seated in the heavenlies. This is chapter 1, verse 20, 21, 22. Jesus is seated at the right hand of God in the heavenly places. Where is Satan? In the heavenly places. World forces of darkness in the heavenly places. And he's seated far above all rule, all authority, all power, all dominion, and every name that can be named in this age are the one to come. And guess where we're seated? With him. And the word seated means ranked. Jesus ranks above all of these um, rulers and powers and world forces and wickedness in the heavenly places. Jesus is above all of those. And guess where we are? We're above them too because we're seated with him. They're nothing except what you make them out to be. 
verse 13. Take up the full armor of God. Here we go again. Full armor. That you may be able to resist in the evil day. And having done everything to stand firm. In verse 14, the next word right after stand firm is the word stand firm. Stand firm. This is the third time we've heard the word stand firm. Don't let the enemy push you around. Don't let him separate you from Christ so that you're no longer living and dwelling and remaining and abiding. He's your source of power. Don't let him push you around with the what? The lie. With the power you give it. Debbie, you're alone, pushing me away from Christ. Yeah, you're right, I am. Until I stood up and said, I'm not alone. I have Jesus. I will never be alone. And that was the end of that lie. That has never even entered my mind since then. Why? Because I'm standing firm in the truth. Does that make sense? This is so important, my friend. Verse 14, stand firm, having girded your loins with truth and having put on the breastplate of righteousness, verse 15, and having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of Christ, of of peace, excuse me. And I want to say, look at all these words, having girded your loins, having put on the breastplate, having shod your feet. This is something you do and and you've done it and now you keep doing it. Having done it. And what are we having done? What have we done? We've girded our loins with truth. Your loins is this part below your rib cage. It's right here. It's all your innards in your guts and your liver. (laughs) It's really, it's really vulnerable. I saw a Western and the guy said, I'm going to shoot his, I hate his guts and his livers and I'm going to kill him. Well, the enemy hates your guts and your liver spiritually. That vulnerable place. He wants to kill you. He doesn't want to disarm you or disable you. He wants to kill you. What does he want to kill? Like your body? You're going to heaven. No, that's not his goal. He wants to just keep you impotent and powerless in this world. That's killing you spiritually. Because what? It's going to kill any fruit that you could bear. It's going to kill any glory you could bring God. And he does not like it because he hates your guts and your livers. And so what do we gird? What do we put on? The belt of truth. This is a description of the armor in those days. And the belt held everything in place. Everything in place. It was very important. Just like our belt is. It's the belt of truth. The truth is the word of God and it holds every single thing in place. And what are you in if you're not in his word? My friend, you are in big, fat trouble, really big, fat trouble. We've been saying it. I'm repeating it again. If you don't have this truth and you're not in it, you are in trouble. I I have a concealed carry license and sometimes I... Well, I'll just be honest, almost all the time I'm armed. And sometimes, and it's on my pants, and I'll pull it out practicing. And I'll pull out the whole, um, what's that thing you put your gun in? The holster. I'll pull out the holster and the gun. That's not real effective. Because why? I don't have a belt on. I don't like to wear belts. And if I do have a belt, then, then my weapon is way up here and I've got, I've got competition with pulling that thing out, you know, 
right here. And it's like it gets stuck somewhere in the middle. So I stopped wearing the belt. But isn't that funny? The belt is important. You may not see it, but it's really important. It can, it's a big difference. Wear your belt of truth. <laughs> I love it. And put on the breastplate of righteousness. The breastplate covered them back and front. And what did it cover? The most vulnerable place of all, the heart. The enemy wants to get your guts and your livers, but he wants your heart and your soul. He wants to just kill it. That's your life source. That's the center of your very being, and he wants to kill it. And how does he kill it? How does he deliver a kill shot? By making you believe in your heart all sorts of things. I'm alone. Maybe I'm not saved. My sin, are you kidding me? God could never forgive all my sin. It's, I'm, I'm worthless. That's a kill shot to you. I'm not loved. That's a kill shot. What is your breastplate of righteousness? That is not your righteousness. Yes, will it help you if you walk in a righteous manner? Of course. It's going to keep you from feeling condemned and ashamed. But what is the righteousness he gave you? Remember, this isn't your armor. It's God's armor. And what is his armor? It's the righteousness of Jesus Christ that you have. You're not going to get it. You have it because of your faith in Christ. I, I am one of those people. I think it's just my nature. It was also reinforced with my religion as I grew up when I, that we went into at age 10. Um, but it reinforces that I, I'm just focused on my sin. That's what I do. And I don't do that anymore. I am focused on the righteousness that is mine. I used to grieve. That was my big battle. Every morning I'd wake up and remember what I'd done the day before. And it would take me hours to pull myself out of that. I don't do that anymore. I wake up saying, thank you, Lord, that I have your righteousness. I'm right before you because of your grace and because of your mercy. And it's by faith. I just believe it. I'm trying to look at my deeds. Guess what? There's no righteousness there. It's just filthy rags. Even if I did something good. I am focused on the righteousness of Christ that is mine by faith, by grace. And guess what that does? That protects my heart. The enemy can't deliver those kill shots to me because I know where my righteousness comes from and it isn't from me. Sure, I want to be good. And I can do that through the strength and the power of Christ. But I know where my true righteousness comes. It's my breastplate. And having shod your feet with the preparation of the gospel of peace, the, the sandals or the shoes in those days were killer shoes, one um, commentary said. They had sharp, sharp spikes on them like that. Why? So that they could what? Stand firm. If the enemy can push you, then you're down and he can kill you or walk all over you. So you're supposed to stand firm in what? The gospel of peace. That keeps you from falling. It keeps you standing firm. What's the gospel of peace? Well, first of all, it's your salvation. You have peace with God because of your salvation. That helps you stand. How many times has the enemy crushed you in believing God is so distant? Well, I don't know what I did, but I don't feel him. He's far. I must be far away from him. He must be mad at me. How many times has the enemy gotten you with that lie? 
that's a lie. It's not true, but it does have power if you believe it. You have peace with God, not because of what you did or what you didn't do or how you feel. It's because of what Christ did. You have peace with God, and that's not going away. Guess what else you have? You have peace in any circumstances. That came with the gospel. Jesus said, I'm going to give you my peace. It's a peace that passes understanding. Who's knocking? (laughs) And so this peace um, means that no matter what happens, cancer, death, disappointment, I can have peace in Christ. Not my circumstances, not my money, not my health, not my marriage. I have peace in Christ. Nothing can take that away. We, I've had 14 surgeries. It's ridiculous, honestly. Our house burned. Do you know what I've realized? And I could just go on and on forever, and so could you, so I'm not going to do that. But those are just a few. I've had issues with children. One of my children was in a homeless shelter. And guess what I can have? Peace in any circumstance. Because my peace doesn't come from my children. And it doesn't come from my house. And it doesn't come from my health. And it doesn't come from my bank account. And it doesn't come from my big, tall, handsome husband. It comes from Jesus. And I have that peace no matter what. And I'm not afraid of my days any longer. Because I have peace in Jesus. The enemy can't push me around with that lie anymore because my feet are shod with the gospel of peace. In the gospel, that's a peace I got. Guess what the third thing is in that peace to me? It's the peace we should have with each other. How many times, maybe even right now today, have you had a struggle with somebody or you're angry with somebody or they're angry with you and it gets you all disturbed and anxious and guess what it does? You don't stand. Enemy pushes you around with that. It pushes you around with that. You'll never make it in this relationship. They don't love you. They don't want you. Or maybe you've got your hand on your hip. I will never forgive them. How's that working for you? Does that lack of peace stir you up and move you away from abiding with Christ? Of course it does. That's why the Bible says so clearly, we're supposed to have peace with all men as far as it depends on what? Them or us? Us. We read in Ephesians, don't go to bed angry. You give what? An opportunity to the devil. This is serious. You know what? Sometimes I have to forgive Gary Dittrich just as as a decision by an act of my will. That's honestly pretty rare. I have a super duper husband. But sometimes he's irritated me. And I have to make myself, before I go to bed, get up. Sometimes I've gotten up out of bed and said, you know what? I'm fighting this fight. I have an enemy. He's going to take an opportunity tonight if I go to bed angry. And I'm not doing it. And it doesn't mean Gary was right. It doesn't mean that um, anything. It just means I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to give the devil an opportunity. So I go and say, hey, sweetheart, I love you. Nothing's going to change that. Maybe we'll talk again tomorrow. But nothing is worth going to bed angry over. Because your enemy's going to walk right over you. You know that's true. So stop it. Shod your feet with the gospel of peace. That you have peace with God. Have peace with others. And you have the peace that passes understanding. You don't have to go to bed all anxious. Or live in this world all anxious. You have the peace that passes understanding. 
In addition, now we get a different verb. Take up the shield of faith. Take up the helmet of salvation. Take up um, the sword of the spirit. This is a different admonition. It means to take, raise up, and hold so that you can use it. It's a whole different verb here. Take up these things. In addition to your righteousness and the truth and this peace that you have, now you need to take up, literally physically pick up these other things. Your sword, your shield, and your helmet. My husband takes up, he's been in law enforcement over 50 years. And the first thing he does every morning, it is like clockwork. He takes up not his shield or his sword, but his gun. He will always have his gun on. And then at night he takes it off. That's what he does. That's who he is. He always has it with him. But even if you take it up and you're not willing to use it, it is worthless. Just imagine him. In fact, one time I was at a grocery store. We were buying groceries and I'm busy talking to the checker. Well, he was busy looking at, an, 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 a, at a, another policeman who was working a second job as the guard at this grocery store. And they were doing eye contact. I don't know what, but they were, you know, secret code of some kind without saying a word. I'm busy talking. And all of a sudden, my six foot seven, huge, amazing, you know, huge thighs, huge arms. He jumped over the counter. I'm just like, what? And then he landed with his weapon drawn because these two guys had, had caught a bad guy. And the, the on-duty cop needed some help and backup. And so there was my husband. So here they were with their guns drawn catching the bad guy. Now, can you just, can you picture this a moment that they have the bad guy and the bad guy also has a gun and my husband won't draw his gun, but he draws his vice water and he says, get back or else I mean it. I mean it. I'm going to hurt you with this. How stupid would that be? Would that not be just retarded? You and I are retards. I, I shouldn't use that word, I'm sure. But we're so stupid when we don't draw our weapon, our sword, and our helmet, and our shield. This is nothing. And we walk around with nothingness instead of something powerful. We need to not just be armed and informed about what we have, but we need to be willing to use it. Do you use it? Do you pull out your sword? Do you put on your weapon? Do you use it? We're going to talk more about that. But this is huge, ladies. So take up your shield of faith. In those days, the shield was huge. It covered your body. It was huge. It could really protect you. And what they would do, because they knew the enemies often used flaming missiles, flaming arrows, they would soak their shield in water. What is our water? It's the word of God. We found that in chapter 5 when it says Jesus washes us with the word. The word is like water. In fact, Jesus said it. He's what? The living water. So we've got to soak our shield of faith in the word. What does the word say? If you want faith, get more word. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Do you want faith? Do you want a shield? Get into the word. 
It will extinguish how many of the flaming missiles of the evil one? All of them. Not most. Not some. All. Yes, ma'am. Mm. Awesome. Wow. I know. Uh, that was another part that I had written in here. She said, uh, Lorraine just said up for the recording that that uh, has to do with the um, Adamic covenant. Um, we have a covenant. Jesus made a new covenant with us. And when you made covenant, there was always shedding of blood. Jesus shed his blood for, for us and in, with his, uh, in his own flesh, we have a covenant. He made a covenant. We eat the bread to remind us of the flesh that was torn for us. You talk about power that's, it gives you power to um, extinguish every flaming missile. That does come through the torn flesh and body of Jesus Christ. He stands. Your faith in him is what um, extinguishes all of those flaming missiles of the evil one. In fact, in 1 John 5... I'm going to explain to you what your faith is. 1 John 5, verses 4 through 5, it says, For whatever is born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world, our faith. And who is the one who overcomes the world but he who believes that Jesus is the Son of God? Your shield of faith overcomes, it's your victory. It overcomes the world. It overcomes your enemy. It makes you a super conqueror. What do you have faith in? The word. The truth of God. But you could have faith in the lie. Seriously. Me believing I'm all alone is me believing a lie. I put my faith in something and it's not the word. It's the lie. To believe God doesn't love you. That's believing a lie. And what does it do? It gives the enemy power over you. You just might as well lay your shield down because that's what you've done. And you just might as well hold your hands out like a defeated um, captive and say, hey, you know what? I believe everything you've told me. No one loves me. God doesn't love me. I have no power. I'm not righteous. Good grief. I mess up every day. Go ahead. I'm ready. Just shoot me right through the heart and the head. I'm ready. I'll take it. How foolish we are. It doesn't matter how you feel. It doesn't matter what your parents taught you. It doesn't matter what your husband told you. Those are lies. It's time to pick this word up and believe every single thing it says. And whether you feel like it or not, make a decision and say, I am the dearly most beloved child of God. He loves me. He will never leave me or forsake me. And no, I'm not very righteous in and of myself, but I don't need that. I've got the righteousness of Christ. It was given to me. My faith is what makes me righteous. Righteousness comes by faith in what? Yourself? No, him, Jesus. So you take up your shield of faith so that you'll be able to extinguish all the flaming missiles of the evil one. And take up the helmet of salvation. The helmets were intricate. They were carved. They were beautiful pieces of art, really. Some would have long plumes. They were just beautiful. And they were really heavy metal, so they protected um, the head. Nothing could get through that helmet if it was aimed at the head. And what does the enemy want? He wants the kill shot. Your head, 
spiritually and your heart spiritually. He wants to take you out. And what is the helmet of salvation? Ladies, we've been talking about through, through, about this throughout all of Ephesians. Your salvation is amazing. It's intricate. It's complex and yet it's simple. It involved him predestining you and calling you and choosing you. That's very personal. It involves faith. It was a mystery. It involves grace. It was given to you by faith. He won't take it away. It's a very magnificent salvation. Do you ponder that? I've been telling you over and over again, even in our prayer classes, I can't stop thinking about God and my salvation and what it is and how magnificent it is. And guess what? I, my helmet is securely on by doing that. Thank you for saving me. Thank you for calling me. Thank you for choosing me. Thank you for predestining me. Thank you for blessing me. It's Ephesians 1, 3 through 8. Thank you that I'm blessed. Thank you that I'm chosen. Thank you that I'm loved. Thank you that I'm adopted. I've been an orphan orphan for a very long time. My dad died when I was 11. and My mom died when I was 27. I am not an orphan. I have God, my father. I am not an orphan. I am the dearly most beloved child of God. That's part of my salvation. That's what protects me from the evil one. Is the mag- pondering the magnificence of my salvation. And then we're to take up the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. And can I say it one last time? If you're not in the word, you're in big fat trouble. You might as well just carry this dumb fly swatter. I have a huge sword. Bobby's seen it. I love to carry it. I almost brought it with me this year from Dallas, but I didn't. Um, and it, but it's magnificent when you take that up and you, it's huge and it's shiny and you can see, wow, we have a sword. This is our sword. Or do you want a fly swatter? Choice is yours. And the world wants you to believe in the fly swatter. Yes, ma'am. It's the only offensive weapon. The others are defensive. Do you want the enemy to flee every single time? Use the word. What did Jesus use in the desert when the enemy attacked him? The word. And what did he do? Did he think it? Hmm. (laughs) All righty then. No, he spoke it. The enemy tempted him and he said out loud, man doesn't live by bread alone, but by every word. That proceeds from the mouth of God. And the enemy went away. You know what the world wants you to believe? And I'm just going to say, Oprah, I'm just, I, I don't usually like to do this, but I am going to do it. Joel Olstein, he's going to arm you with a fly swatter. Oprah's going to arm you with a fly swatter. Believe in yourself. You got what it takes. You're fine. You can do it. That's words of the world. You won't find that here. It's not effective. It's not powerful. The gurus, the new age gurus tell you, believe in yourself. Affirm yourself. Blah, 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 blah. And you know why they have to keep saying it? Because it doesn't work. 
We have a power, a spiritual power that defeats spiritual forces of darkness. And it's the word. And if you don't know the word, if you're not in the word, you're in big fat trouble. 2 Corinthians 10, 5. Let me go there. In fact, I'm going to go to verse 3. 2 Corinthians 10, verse 3. I'm going to start there. For though we walk in the flesh, that means so even though we're just a human and we're living in this human body, living our lives, walking this out, we don't war according to the flesh. We don't war according to a a flies water. Our weapons of warfare are not of the flesh, but divinely powerful for the destruction of fortresses. Do you know what a fortress is? If you could, are are y'all familiar with the chalk cliffs at the Deer Valley is at the base of the chalk cliffs. Did y'all know that people can't start, you know, walk out of Deer Valley having lunch and then walk up the mountain and start walking up those cliffs, climbing them. You'll, you won't make it. You'll have to be rescued. It's impossible to climb them. It's just shale. It just crumbles. If you get up a little bit, you'll end up staying there until they bring you out. But if there was a fortress, a castle at the top of those cliffs, it would be impenetrable. Can you get that picture? Because no one could get up there. Someone could bomb from above now. But in the olden days, no one could get up to a fortress on a mountain like that. They would be impenetrable. You and I have some fortresses. You know what the fortress was for me? I am alone. That's a fortress. The word of God had never penetrated that lie. The enemy held me captive by that lie. What are your fortresses? What have you believed that the enemy defeats you on every single solitary time? It's time to destroy it. And how do you destroy it? With the word of God. Just one second, Lorraine. It says we are destroying speculations and every lofty thing raised up against the knowledge of God. And we take every thought captive to the obedience of Christ or to the obedience of the word. And what does taking a captive mean when they, when they would conquer in those days, when they conquered the enemy, they would put him, his physical body at the end of a sword. So if Sally was my captive, I would have my spear right, you know, just an inch away from her ready to, and I would march her in front of me. That's right. And if she misbehaved or got out of line or tried to run away, I was ready to just, just, just thrust her through. So we have a sword, we have the word and it destroys Every, we are ready to take captive every thought that enters your mind. If it's not according to the word of God, do you thrust it through? You thrust it through. Does that make sense? You've got to use this word and do battle. Yes, ma'am, Lorraine. That's right. Yes. That's right. Absolutely. Yeah. Yes. 
Exactly, exactly. I love it. going to be attacked. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we don't have every day, and we're going to talk about that at the end. So, so I want you to keep that in your heart because I want us to really talk this out with our last minutes. But um, you're absolutely right. This is a battle. You've got to wake up. This is not a country club. This isn't a spa. And most of us are older here. We're not to retire. We're to go forward. We're not to retreat. We're to go forward. We're to charge. We're to stand firm. We're not winding down. We should wind up. I want to finish well. And you've got to know what the word says. And another thing you said to ask others to show you what those strongholds and weaknesses might be. And boy, you need a good friend. And if you don't have a good friend that is willing to tell you the truth, you need to pray to find one. And you definitely need to be one. And speak that truth in love. But um, I thank God for my friends that tell me, Debbie, you're off base. You're off base. Um, But the other thing that we need to do is pray. Ask God to show you what those strongholds are. And then destroy them with the word of God. Verse 18, with all prayer and petitions, pray at all times in the spirit. And with this in view... Be on the alert. We need to be on the alert. Uh, Lorraine just said that. With all perseverance and petitions for all saints. Ladies, we have got to pray. I think this is a part of the armor as well. If you're not praying, it's probably because you doubt God. This is serious. If you trust God, you're praying. And if you don't trust God, you're worrying. Philippians 4, 6 says, be anxious for only a few things. Eh, Wrong answer. Be anxious for nothing, but in all things, through prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, we've talked about that, make your request known to God. And what happens when you make your request known to God and thank Him? The peace of God that passes all understanding will do what? It will guard your heart and your mind in Christ Jesus. I believe prayer is a piece of the armor. And if you walk around, this could be your stronghold. Is worry your stronghold? Do you have no peace? That's how the enemy pushes you around and pushes you down. Stop it. The word says don't do that. We should pray. We should not worry. I can't tell you how thanking God and saying, thank you that you've got my children. Thank you that you know what you're doing. Thank you that you know what the plan is. Thank you that you give me power. Thank you that you love me. Thank you that you're for me. Thank you that you're not against me. When I pray like that, I don't have those fears anymore. I was the world's greatest worrier. I am done with that. That was another stronghold. My mother did it. I did it. I'm done with that. 
that is of no value and that is a stronghold and I'm done. The Lord says, don't do it. And I'm not doing it anymore. And it doesn't matter what I feel like. I have made a decision. I'm not going to do that. And when my mind starts walking down that road, it's just like, stop. You will not do that. You will not go there. You will not be dragged away and pushed around. I am standing Firm in the belief that my God is for me and he's not against me and he's for my children and he's not against them. And he's going to strengthen me with all power to live this life. I don't have to worry about this. I'm going to pray about this. Really? You see it? Wow. Wow. I can see that. Wow. I like that. <laughs> you are. You're charging forward. Because otherwise you're just stuck in that place of fear and doubt. I like that. I'd have to ponder that more, but I do. I like that. Thank you. Um, let me see. Francis Chan has a good quote. Worry implies that we don't quite trust that God is big enough, powerful enough, or loving enough to take care of what is happening in our life. And ladies, I am just telling you, if you're a warrior, let that end today. Go out of this place, done with it. Because the enemy has pushed you around and pushed you down long enough. What are your fears? My greatest fear was that my house would burn. You know what? My house burned. And you know what I learned through that? My God can be trusted. He provided me with everything abundantly beyond anything I could ever ask for or imagine. And that first included the peace of God. And yes, my house got rebuilt better than it was, but that's not the point. The point was the night of the fire, I experienced the peace of Christ that passes all understanding and realized my true treasure was not my house. My true treasure is Jesus. And even when your house burns and you're alone in your hotel room and you still smell like smoke because you don't have anything to wear, you're still in your smoky clothes that you escaped from the fiery house. I had Jesus. And I truly did have the peace that passes understanding. Don't let the enemy push you around with these worries. You pray about these things. That's where you're going to have the peace that passes understanding. The enemy loves you to not trust God. He loves you to doubt and fear. That's where he wants you to dwell and remain and stay, to abide in. And then you're done. He can count you out. And I'm done living like that. I want to point out something to you. Do you know what our armor is? It's Jesus. It's Jesus. It isn't something that you have or you bring to the table. It is Jesus. It's his truth. It's his righteousness. It's his gospel of peace. It's his salvation. It's the faith that he's the author and perfecter of. It's his word. He is the word. It's Jesus. When you really put that armor on, you are clothed in Christ. In fact, that's a scripture. Let me find it here. I don't have it. It was in one of my notes. But we're clothed with Christ. That's how you defeat the enemy every time. He can't stand against Jesus. He cannot do it. 
Do you use your weapons? Now you know about them, but do you use them? Are you prepared to use them? I took a, a shooting class recently from Jesse Cortez. He's awesome. He is, he is so awesome. He's a little police officer here and just a powerful man of God. I just love him. And one of the first things he asked me was, I'm going to teach you how to shoot better, but are you prepared to use it if you have to? Have you thought that through? And I have tearfully thought that through. Are you prepared to use the weapons that God has given you? Are you broken? Are you weary? Are you constantly defeated and disappointed? Are you in the grip of some stronghold of sin? Are you easily angered? Then I want to suggest to you, you are probably not using your armor. Do you believe God loves you? Do you believe you're forgiven? Do you believe you really can do all things through Christ who strengthens you with the same power he used to raise Jesus Christ from the dead? Do you pray rather than worry? Then if you, if you don't believe those things, then you don't have your armor on. It's time to change that. Literally, let's start this battle. You're not too old to start that. I have lived most of my life in fear. I've lived most of my life defeated. I've lived hopeless, even suicidal. I've let the enemy push me around. I've let circumstances, I've let my sin, I've let the sin of others push me around and push me down. I've lived like a pauper who's penniless and pitiful rather than as the beloved child of God who has everything I need for life and godliness. And I'm done living that way. I'm done living that way. I've made up my mind this year. I'm done living that way. I don't have many more days to live on this earth. I mean, I do, but I don't. I don't have 66 more. I have less than I've already lived. And I want to live the rest of them in victory in Christ and use all my minutes for him. I want to buy up every opportunity for Christ. We read that in Ephesians chapter 5. We have vict- I have victory in Christ. I have power in Christ. I have strength in Christ. I can do all things through Christ. I can extinguish every flaming missile of the evil one. And that's how I'm going to live my life. I'm done believing any different. Verse 10 says, be strong in the Lord. It doesn't say, be weak in your utter powerlessness. Because that's how I've been living. I've gotten this wrong. Have you? Let's do this differently. Let's make up our minds to pour ourselves over this word, into the word. Let it seep into us. And let us use it when the lie comes in. Do you even know the lie? If you don't know the truth, of course you don't. Let's pour over it. And be filled with it. And let's use it. Every lie. That lie that says you're all alone. Let's stand up straight and say, I'm not alone. Are you kidding me? And use that sword saying, no. God is with me and for me and not against me. And I'm done with that. Let's be different. We have this magnificent salvation that Christ purchased. He sealed us with his spirit. We are filled with power. The word is our sword. The faith is our shield. We have this amazing salvation that guards our hearts and minds as we ponder it. We have truth as a belt. We have his righteousness. We can live our lives differently because of what he did for us.
So let's do it. And let's encourage others to do the same. I want to close in prayer and then let's talk this through a little bit. Lord, I thank you for the book of Ephesians. To me, you have given us literally every doctrine, every truth, every ounce of power that we need. I thank you for the book of Ephesians. I thank you for these weeks. I thank you for this calling that you've given me to teach. Thank you for that, Lord. I am magnificently blessed, and I humbly thank you for that gift. Thank you that I've gotten to pour over your word. Father, I pray for my friends. I pray that you would give them ears to hear this truth. I pray that you would give them hearts to just drink in this truth into their hearts, just take it in as it's li- as a life source. I pray that when we leave here today, we really leave here differently. I want us to live differently as conquerors, as women victorious in Christ Jesus. And only you could bring that about. I thank you that it's not my teaching that's going to bring that about. It is the power of the Spirit that will, in fact, bring that about. And so may we stand in it unmovable. Completely immovable in this truth. May we stand and having done all, may we keep standing firm in these truths. Lord, I just commit us all to you for your purpose and for your glory. And I just ask all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. So, we have time if anybody wants to talk about this or ask questions if you want to explain how you have personally specifically used God's word or used your armor um, how can we really use this how have you overcome some things or where can we go with this anybody have questions or thoughts or hmm Yes. Okay. I have that choice. And I have to think spiritually. Yes. Him to come to That's right. So, so what are some of your suggestions? To write down Bible verses? Yes. Throw back at that thing on the other side of the Okay, so here's your question. This is a, that is a, I love visuals, and, and maybe you can turn around and look. I'm seeing myself move forward in that glass. I can see Sally in that glass. So let's pretend the enemy, because this is really the truth. Before Jesus Christ saved you, it, it wasn't the enemy behind that glass unable to do anything to you. He was unleashed, and he could push you around and do anything he wanted to, and guess what you were? Absolutely powerless. And so where is he now? Well, he's awaiting a permanent execution. But right now he's harnessed. He he tricks you into believing that there's power he has. But guess where he is? He's behind the glass and that door is locked. So guess what he can do? All he can do to Sally, who's looking at herself, is mouth, you're so stupid. Everybody hates you. And so if she believes, that's an arrow. And so she, she... kind of shudders at what, at who he is and what he has said. My gosh, that's true. They all hate me. Oh my gosh. And look at me. I'm really old and wrinkly too. That's what I do. I look at myself and go, Ooh. that's exactly what he wants instead of looking at Jesus. 
And so what can you do is Sally's question. When you, when you see him mouthing or hear him speaking, whispering the lie. And can I just point out, she said, no one likes you. What it, no one likes me. Let me tell you something. Now, you don't have to raise your hands, but I bet every single one, of, that's his favorite lie. I don't know that he does that to men, but I know he does it to women because I mentor women and that's the lie every woman has spoken. It's, it's, he's so stupid, he can't even make up a new lie. <laughs> Seriously, he's been disarmed. He doesn't have new weapons. And so that he uses that old one over and over and over again. I think I told y'all, but in case I didn't, or in case some of you didn't hear it, I did a retreat probably, mm, I don't know, maybe 15 years ago here, maybe 12 or so. It was at Deer Valley Ranch for another church. It was for a different church. And the young girl, um, and I was literally, literally, this is not a figurative thing. I was on the ground, on my face, sobbing at my house because no one likes me and I'm so old and I have, I'm the new Christian. Basically. I mean, I received Christ at 31. So those women have probably walked in the Lord since they were two. And so I don't have anything to tell. Yeah. Yeah. And so, you know, it was as if I have nothing to bring to this table. I'm old. No one wants to hear me. They probably already know what I'm going to say. Anyway, I might as well just stop it. I might as well just quit. And I literally was on the floor sobbing. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. I cannot do this. The enemy pushed me around and he got me on the ground. Well, I crawled my way out of that pit barely. And I spoke the truth. And then one of the little girls who was gorgeous, she was 29. I just saw her yesterday. Um, and she is just gorgeous, you know, probably a size eight. She's got long blonde hair. She's got legs that are 10 feet long, you know, and, and I have tree trunks and, you know, she has everything I don't have. And she came up to me and said, can I talk to you? And I said, sure. She said, can we talk privately? Oh, she was a singer by the way. And she's, I said, well, sure. And she said, I don't know what's happening, but Ever since yesterday, I've just been thinking to myself, I can't do this. And who am I to sing and think I have anything to bring to the table? And I'm just so ugly and I just can't do this. It was the same lie that he told that gorgeous, young, skinny blonde that he told this tree trunk, you know, lady, old lady. Same thing. How stupid is that? And how do you fight it? Memorize the word or at least the crux of that truth. That is a lie. And besides that, I don't know who likes me or doesn't like me. I'm not a men pleaser. You love me. You like me. You chose me and I'm standing firm in that. And you know what? Whether they like me or don't like me, I'm going to like them. I was told to love them. And so today I'm going to get up and I'm going to make a phone call and I'm going to call Susan and say, how are you doing? I heard you were sick. And I'm going to take a meal to somebody and I'm going to love others. And I'm going to quit focusing on whether they like me or not. And I'm going to focus on what he told me to do, which is to love others. And that's where I'm going to drive my power. And yes, I'd like to be liked by others, but my power and the defeat of the enemy who's mouthing that at you comes from the power of the word. And the word doesn't say anything about others liking us. It says we're to love others and that we are loved.
Yes. And so I got this great app now on my phone about Voice of the Martyrs. Mm, I love Voice of the Martyrs. Mm-hmm. 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 And all of a sudden you think you're persecuting, you, you know, this, that. You go to that app every day, and I go, oh, my God, I'm supposed to pray for Columbia today. The people in Columbia, they've got the drug cartels. They got yeah. The when they become believers, they, if, they're, if they have a Bible, they can be jailed. Suddenly I'm thinking, takes your mind out of the pit. Yes. I think that's good. That, that's what we all do. We focus on ourselves, and that nobody likes me is a focus on yourself. And another thing is get, I get a three by five index card spiral thing. And I write down those verses. And then if I can't remember them, it's like I pull out my sword and I start reading it. Yes, sticky notes. I do sticky notes. I do three by five cards. And, and, and all you need, honestly, is, a, is one or two. That's your sword. I mean, if you have ten, then, then memorize ten. But, but pick one that you know will defeat that lie, that others don't like you. And, the, and honestly, it's a decision, Sally. To, and I, I have the same. That's my stronghold as well. And a few years ago, actually, I think it was last year, I decided um, I am not going to believe that any longer. I don't care what, I do care whether people like me or don't like me. I think that's honest. But I am going to concentrate whether they do or don't like me on that God loves me. And it empowers me. After my prayer time, I go in to the bathroom and start getting dressed. And that's like the enemy says, okay, here's a new subject. And then... Well, that one didn't work. I'll give you another subject. And then I get another. And then you're, you get weary of fighting the subject. You do get weary. You're, you're talking about fighting the lie? Yeah. Okay. Or She's talking about getting... Ideas. Yes. Suggestions. I'm going to say to you that that is exhausting. And I'm, I'm one of those people that... I, I had a man, I was talking about that once at a Bible study. This was years, this is probably 30 years ago. And the man, because I was talking basically about what you're saying, all those thoughts that are never ending all day long and fighting them and how, what the Lord was teaching me. And he just kind of looked at me and he said, you're awfully weird. I can't imagine what it would be like to live in your head. And I said, it's horrible. It's, it's hideous. Um, but I want to say something to you. The more you fight them, the less he brings them up. Once you make a decision, I, I, something has switched in me and I used to fight it, but it was with fear and trembling. Like, Oh my gosh, I don't know if I can do this. Okay. I really am loved. And something rose up in me this year and the enemy doesn't do what he used to do to me, but I woke up every, I am not lying. When I say I woke up every single morning of my life with condemnation and frustration and remembering all the awful things about myself. And then I would have to crawl out of that pit. But it was, it was as if I was weak and tired and exhausted and I can't do this anymore. I will do it, but I'm so done with this. When will this end? And this year something switched and I honestly think it was because I decided I don't care how I feel. I don't care what someone says to me. I am standing firm in the word. I have decided to believe what God says about me and about himself and about that truth. And that's it. I'm done. I don't have time to keep doing this every single solitary day. I will do it, and I've decided to fight, but I'm, I'm saying it as if I believe it because I do believe it. I've made a decision to believe it. That's a 
it is a vow. It has changed. And I don't, I just told somebody last week, I don't wake up with anything anymore except God loves me. I love him. I have power. I have faith. I have salvation. I'm blessed. I'm chosen. I'm loved. I'm redeemed. I'm forgiven. It, it, it is a litany. I can't stop saying it. And I think that's why in the prayer thing, and now I'll tell you, that is why I say thank you all the time. It has become, I'm I'm not trying to get there. I believe that I already have what is there. Thank you that I'm saved. Thank you that I'm redeemed. Thank you that I'm chosen. Thank you that I'm loved. Thank you that no, if no one else on earth loves me, my God loves me. And that's enough. That literally I've decided is enough for me. Yes, ma'am. Let me see if I can find it. And I, I'm glad you brought up course jesting because last week I felt that maybe we got off. I want to say that, um, let's see, find. We talked, um, that was part of our um, definitions for last week. And it says, don't let any um, course jesting or filthiness come out of your mouth. And, I, and the definition of course jesting um, it means hard. I, I mean, all I can do is tell you the definition, hard subjects, making hard subjects, humorous, something to cause laughter. And I looked it up and went through all. And I think what it means is the hard subjects of God is the way I took it. The, the truth of God's word, like let's just say submitting to your husband, making something coarse out of that. You know, well, the Bible says I should submit to my husband, but if mom ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. Ha ha ha. You know, I think that's what it's talking about. And the obvious is filthy words and things like that. I mean, that goes without saying. But I think we can make these things sound so harsh and to admonish each other. But remember, everything is about love. In love, in love, in love, in love. And, and uh, in Ephesians, four, uh, uh, verses one, two, and three, it says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling with which you've been called with all humility and gentleness, with patience, showing forbearance to one another, being diligent to preserve the unity of the spirit and the bond of peace. So yeah, we're not supposed to make, um, wonderful, glorious subjects of the Bible, humorous or or coarse. Um, but we're supposed to also be humble and love each other and be patient with each other and forbear with one another's sin. So I think some of what we talked about in chapter five last week, uh, or at least it left me going, it's kind of harsh, but does that make sense? Sherry? Yes, let's see. Well, in, in that, I think our husbands, for instance, the, the word says he's our head or he's the, um, we're supposed to submit to him. I think we can, you know, like I said, what I said was, I think the example I used, I know a woman at church, one of the elders, I commented one day on his tie. And I said, oh my gosh, her tie is gorgeous. That's beautiful. And she immediately demeaned him and said, are you kidding me? He couldn't pick out any, he couldn't get it, pick his way out of a paper bag. He doesn't know how to make anything go together. I picked that tie for him. Well, that's just crude. That's demeaning. 
And we're always trying, you know, once again, it starts in our minds with absorbed with ourselves. Well, I'm not worthy. Well, I'm disgusting. Well, no one likes me. Or we say it out loud, absorbed with ourselves, trying to bring attention. Hey, I picked that tie out. Hey, I'm the one that's important here. Hey, well, you haven't talked to me all day. It's me, 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 me. And the more I'm absorbed with God and his glory and his power and his majesty, I just don't think about myself anymore. It's the, it's unbelievable. It's so freeing. Thank you for asking. Right? Yes. Yes. To proclaim the blood. I like that, but I like also saying the word out loud on those days. If you feel oppressed, if I just sometimes walk around my house as I'm and and I'm able to, if I'm alone, if you're with somebody that may think you've lost your mind, but sometimes I just walk around saying, um, God is for me and he's not against me. And he loves me. Greater is he that's in me than he that's in the world. And he's put my sins as far away from me as the East is from the West. When that word is coming out of your mouth, he's gone. He cannot stand the word, and that is the word. The blood of Christ is the word. Yes, ma'am. Well, I was just thinking about um, when those things happen, or what Sally was saying. It says to me that the enemy wants to keep the children of God impotent. Yes, and powerless. Mm-hmm. powerless. Impotent, and yes. If he can do that, then we don't fulfill our calling. That's right. That's right. And... Um, mm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I thought, you know, if if we're not in the Word, sometimes that is, um, we can say to ourselves without knowing it, well, if I don't know what the Word says, then I'm not accountable. Ooh. Ooh. And so that Woo! can keep us from being in the Word. Wow. If I don't know what it says, then I'm, I'm, wow. not, I'm not accountable for what it says. Golly. Yeah. Um, Yes, she is.
nice about all of that we are our own universe and wow. all of that. And, and Allie called home and said, this is what the first person I met told me who was supposed to be a Christian, which was even more concerning um, because we have a nation full of marginalized Christians. Absolutely. Yes. 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 That's true. Right. 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 Yes. No. That's right. That's right. That's right. 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 Thank you. Yes. As opposed to yes. Fighting ourselves through this world, fighting and fighting Yes. Yes. And this is a life is like a vapor. It's a temporary seven second thing to power up. It is, right. In all of eternity. Right. We want to be with a beautiful life. And not dragging ourselves through lives. And I for me, and I don't know if this is true for everybody, but I have felt like I'm dragging myself through this life. And it has been hard. Every day was a struggle. And I just have to be honest with you. I have said over and over again, I don't tell too many people this, but wishing God would take me home. I have a great life. I love my husband. I love my children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But I've been so exhausted from the battle and the constant defeat that I'm like, I'm just exhausted. And, and I'll go home any time. And I still say that. And I still long to go home. But something has changed. And I think the part... For me, that made it so hard and so exhausting is I don't think I really believed it. Yes, I knew it was true. Yes, I said it was true. But deep in my heart, I'm like, yeah, but it's not true for me because my unrighteousness is really yucky. There's just that little lie. And once I made a decision to believe, it is a beautiful fight. Just Sunday, I put my makeup on. I use a a mirror that's magnified 10 times, and that just makes you look like heck. If I can just be, yeah, but I can't see, so I have to use it. But I I can be focused on, this is just an example, focused on the wrinkles or focused on the imperfections. And Sunday, um, 
I was getting ready and yeah, I saw all the wrinkles and the, you know, this, all that stuff. And I just thought, I don't care because this is true. Cause I believe it now. I have right. Thank you that my righteousness and my power and my strength is so gorgeous. Cause I don't care how old I get or what I look like. That is going to outweigh everything. I have, I believe in this now. I am enthralled with this power and this faith in what Jesus has given me. I don't walk around defeated and beaten up all the time anymore. And I am enjoying his strength. It is gorgeous. It is a beautiful fight because I win every time. You win every single time when you use your sword. And you can't just put that armor on. I've heard people say, well, the first thing I do, and I'm not making fun of that, but... I pray and I put on my armor. And my big question is, well, then do you use it? My husband puts on his gun every morning, first thing. But if he did not use it, what if he was sitting right here and a man armed came in here? Because they do come in churches. And what if he sat there with his arms folded? Oh my gosh, what am I going to do? I don't know. Take your gun out. (laughs) Shoot him. Do you use it? Putting it on is one thing. Using it is a completely different thing. Yes, ma'am, Sherry. We're overcomers. Yes. Yes. Yes, that's in the Old Testament somewhere. I can't remember where it is either, but it says what you fear will come upon you. And honestly, I, the enemy is very powerful and fear is a powerful weapon against us. And I'm done with it. I don't have anything to fear in Christ. Yes, yes. Make it practical and personal. Yes, that's excellent. That's absolutely excellent. And notice what she said. I, in Af- it's an affirmation. I can do well in math today. That's not, see, if a new age person was teaching you, that, they would stop right there. I want you to repeat to yourself every day, I am good at math. And she changed, she, she did say that, but because of the strength that God gives me, I used to teach new age thinking. 
I worked for Southwestern Bell, and it came out in the early 80s. It literally was called New Age Thinking. I was a corporate instructor. And I would teach it five, it was a five, it was a week-long class. Now, I was a brand new Christian. I mean, I was brand new. And I actually incorporated, I knew that that wasn't all true. And I would incorporate scripture into it and just say, God made our minds powerful to, to take hold of truth. And he's saying to believe in yourself and that you are powerful and to affirm that I personally do it differently. And I say my power comes from God or whatever. I would twist that. But that's, that's exactly the truth there to make that practical. Are y'all committed to using your armor? Let's don't go around defeated anymore. Let's be different. Let's walk out of here. Not old ladies who are kind of at the end, but ladies who are older and wiser and, and victorious and conquerors and strong in Christ. And let's teach others to do the same. Let's just be armed and dangerous. Y'all probably all heard it, but that, that little, it's a meme that says, um, I want to be the kind of woman when my feet hit the floor in the morning and I wake up, the enemy goes, oh my God, she's awake. <laughs> yes, ma'am. Yes. Armed and dangerous. Absolutely. Absolutely. It is a good example. And let's call, listen, this isn't the end. Let's, let's keep going. You talk among yourselves, call me and say, okay, so what, how could you make this practical? Here's my issue. Let's, let's help each other. What if, how many of us are there? Four, seven, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 15 of us in this church began walking as disciples of Christ. If we began standing firm in the truth, if we challenged each other and said, Tricia, stop. I heard what you said. I know you're discouraged, but stand firm in the truth. What's the truth? You just told me a lie. What would be the truth to counteract what you just said? Or Sally, people don't like you. What's the truth? Come on. Let's let's, what's the truth? I'll give it to you. If you don't know it, I want you to stand in that girlfriend. What if we did that? How would that change this? church? What disciples would we make of the truth and in the truth and women that are armed and dangerous and powerful, training other women to be armed and dangerous and powerful, who would then train grandchildren and great-grandchildren to be armed and dangerous? Let's do this thing. Yes. Okay. And Bible study starts in two weeks on September the 11th. We won't have any Bible study next Tuesday. Thank y'all all for letting me do this. Thank you so much. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you.